Well, our Old Testament reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. It's one of the most intriguing passages in the whole of the Old Testament as three divinely appointed visitors come and speak with Abraham. Genesis 18, verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sears of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice, tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and a calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah, they asked him. In the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. I am the first and the last, says the Lord, and the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Alleluia. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Do have a seat. 
Good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to be here and to break open God's word um, this morning for you. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I wonder how many people here this morning has had or indeed overheard a conversation which goes something like this. Hello, not seen you for ages. How are you? How's it going? Good, thank you, but very busy. Yes, I know what you mean. Just not enough hours in the day to get everything done. <sighs> Absolutely, in fact. In fact, I can't really stop now as I um, need, up to, need to pick up the children or the grandchildren from school. Okay, good to see you. Perhaps we can catch up over a coffee sometime soon. Will do, says your friend distractedly as he or she swipes the screen on the phone ringing in his, his or her hand and hurriedly rushes off down the road. In our Gospel reading this morning, it could be very easy to interpret this simply as a story about two sisters, very different characters, Mary, who was prepared to just simply sit and listen to Jesus, and the other Martha, who was totally distracted by, as it says in verse 40, all the preparations that had to be made to tend to the needs of her guests. She was far too busy to listen to Jesus, and indeed annoyed, really annoyed with her sister, because she'd not been helping And whilst there are obviously some lessons that we can learn from this simple interpretation, there's much more going on in these few verses than how it appears immediately. So, let's look a little bit in more detail of what's happening in this story, which opens, for those of you who may have a Bible, at verse 38 of chapter 10 of St. Luke's Gospel. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, where, we might ask? And we find the answer to that question in the chapter immediately before this one. And it says that Jesus intently set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to the cross, on his way to die. And this gives us the context for everything else which is to follow in terms of Jesus' encounters and boundary-breaking teachings. He's very little time left to make, good, to, to make his good news message understood. Just think of the well-known story of the Good Samaritan, which comes, in fact, immediately before the story we're looking at this morning, and what that had to say to the lawyer and others who may have been listening at the time about what it truly means to love God and to love your neighbour. When for those listening to him, their neighbours could only be fellow Jews, not outsiders such as, the Samarit such as Samaritans. But if we think that the, Samar the, the parable of the, the Good Samaritan was radical, this little vignette is equally and probably more so. 
Jesus and his disciples had come to a village, which we know from the Gospel of John was Bethany. And there a woman called Martha had opened her home to him. Seems, you know, a natural thing to do, an ordinary thing to do. We know from John's Gospel that Martha and her sister Mary, who's the other main character mentioned in the story, had a brother, Lazarus, and that shortly before Jesus' death, he raised Lazarus from the dead. So we can probably assume, therefore, that Martha and Mary were friends of Jesus. Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. And here again, Jesus is redrawing the boundaries of God's people. Not only is the good news of the news of the kingdom for Gentiles, he's also saying something about the position and the value of women in Jewish society. As a man, and even more so as a rabbi, Jesus is doing something very daring by accepting the hospitality of a woman. Martha, who was probably a widow and certainly not a member of his own family, for her that would have been something sort of very unusual to do. She's doing something that's also culturally unacceptable in inviting Jesus into her home. Both hers and Mary's reputation were likely to be at stake for this action. What Mary did, however, in sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to Jesus, rather than adopt the traditional role for women and help her sister make preparations and show hospitality for their guests, was to, de- to break another major to taboo. She was behaving as though she was a student, sitting at the feet of the rabbi to learn from him. But only men could do this, and usually men who wanted to eventually be rabbis themselves. Mary has quietly taken her place as a would-be teacher and preacher of the, t- of the kingdom of God, totally disregarding the cultural norm of that time, which expected that if, we're, if women were present at all, it would only be, have been to provide food and drink and then to remain quietly out of sight. I suppose you could say to be seen and not be heard, uh, uh, not to be seen and also not be heard. Yet here in this passage, Jesus is saying in response to Martha's angry outburst, which in itself would have, would have been deemed unacceptable, especially as a host, Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Confirming Mary's right as a woman to be there at his feet and highlighting the amazing inclusiveness of Jesus' kingdom vision. But not only this, Jesus' words to Martha can be seen as an invitation to her as well, rather than perhaps a gentle rebuke. The one thing Martha needed to receive was the very gracious presence of Jesus, to listen to his words, to know that she's valued, not for what she does 
or how well she does it, but for who she is, precious, precious, a really precious child of God. And I wonder how often we ourselves need to be reminded of this. Our amazing God knows each one of us intimately and loves us unconditionally and desires nothing more than to be in relationship with us, to be part of the, the everyday stuff of our lives. And that, if we really stop to think about it, is awesome. We would be wrong then to see Martha and Mary as they have so often been portrayed as examples of Christians who are either all faith and act, no action, or vice versa, all action and no faith. Of course, both are important. But we cannot escape the challenge of this passage by turning it into a comment about the different types of Christian lifestyle. It's all about the boundary-breaking call of Jesus, which tells of the towns, the villages, the households and the individuals who glimpsed through his teachings and actions on the way to Jerusalem, crucifixion and death, a radical new vision of the kingdom, inclusive of all, and through his resurrection, new creation and the assurance of everlasting life. It's interesting that in this story, in Luke's Gospel, it's immediately followed, uh, the next chapter is, in, is, is immediately followed by Jesus' teaching on prayer and the introduction of the Lord's Prayer to his disciples with that very powerful phrase in it which says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. A radical request, if we take those words seriously, to our Father in heaven. God grant that in the busyness of our daily lives, we may find the time to serve him as a Martha, but not as someone so preoccupied with our own concerns that we really neglect to extend a genuine hand of invitation, welcome and hospitality, reaching out to all those that we encounter in our daily lives, but especially the poor, the vulnerable, the oppressed and the marginalised, those who really Jesus noticed, sharing God's love, hope and kingdom values. For this is what Jesus instructed his followers to do in the great commission that he gave to them just, be just before his ascension, which we'll celebrate in two weeks' time. At the same time, however, let's not forget that be, to be equipped to carry out the Great Commission, which is now ours, it's vitally important to spend quality time, as Mary did, dwelling in the presence of the Lord. For as Psalm 25 says, Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Amen.
Thank you, Chris. Let's affirm our faith, shall we? Let's uh, stand together. And let us declare our faith in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised to life on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Afterwards, he appeared to his followers and to all the apostles. This we have received, and this we believe. Amen. So let's be seated again as we come to our time of intercessions. Heavenly Father, hear our prayer. Let our hearts be open, allowing us to pray that our ways of looking, listening and doing may become more like yours. We come in hope and fear, acknowledging you with the heavy weight of our humanness and our fragility. As we bow before you now, as we seek your presence, as we proclaim to trust and serve you, teach us to recognize that all of us are involved in a journey of discovery about the meaning and purpose of our lives, our identity, and our value. You show us that the fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of faith is love. The fruit of love is service. And the fruit of service is peace. We are blessed by the touch of your love. You give us responsibility which we must exercise and you call upon us to make decisions at the risk of making mistakes. Lord of our world, we acknowledge with shame and sorrow all the sin, hatred and injustice which has led to misunderstanding violence, war, and the recent tensions. We confess the narrowness of our vision, which often prevents us from entering into your purpose for our, your world. We lay at your feet the pride that makes us unwilling to receive the insight of others, the selfishness which allows us to take our affluence for granted in a world of need and hunger. The fear and unwillingness which holds us back when we could act. Father, forgive us. Speak peace where nations meet, justice where ideas clash, and mercy 
where power reigns. But never let us forget that the little acts and the little conversations of every day is where your kingdom is. Only you can lead when the way ahead is shrouded in the mist of doubt and uncertainty. Grant us all wisdom, direction and integrity within the responsibilities we each hold. We are so blessed by the touch of your love. And may that blessing of love be with Chris in her involvement in the many aspects of life here at Christchurch. Take Aidan and Cathy's hands in yours and guide them into this new chapter of their lives in you. We believe that you have called us together to broaden our experience of you and each other. Help us as individuals or together to work in love for peace and never to lose heart. So we commit ourselves to each other in joy and sorrow, to support those around us and ask that you will open our eyes that we may see the needs of others. Show us where love, hope and faith are needed and use us to bring them to these places of need, whether it be a lift for a hospital appointment, being alongside families in difficulties, seeking out and listening to the lonely or supporting those in distress. Let us be able to show all those we meet that as individuals they are loved enough to be prayed for. We are blessed by the touch of your love. And as we share a moment of silence together, let us bring before you our healing God, those known to us who need your loving care at this time. In all areas of need, you are there. Yours is the voice which calls us to care. To the lost and grieving, you show your face. To the unloved, you embrace. To those who cry in pain and disgrace, you give them a loving place. We can, with your guidance, help someone from nowhere to somewhere. In this Christian Aid Week, we ask you be with those who deliver and collect those life-saving envelopes. For those of many faiths and none who give through them. We pray that someone somewhere will be able to buy a mosquito net or send a child to school or dig a well or sow seeds and in due course reap a harvest, a harvest of hope. Help us to remember that those who wait upon you will be renewed. Free us to remember times of joy, 
Free us to remember people who are kind and compassionate. Free us to remember that we did the best we were able. And free us to remember that you journey with us each day. For all that you can do within us, for all that the Spirit wants to bring us, for where the Spirit wants to lead us. Thank you, Lord. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Mayor. The risen Christ came and stood among his disciples and said, Peace be with you. Then were they glad when they saw the Lord. Alleluia. And so may the peace of the Lord be always with you. So let's take a few moments now to offer one another a sign of God's peace, a greeting in his name.